Warning, the content of the show is left-leaning and offers radical ideas, plus challenging the status quo. Accordingly, we ask you to remain calm and have an open mind. If not, there are other podcast shows that can speak to your conformity. Shut up and sit down. Thank you for downloading this episode of Firebrand. I am your host, AJ. And on this episode, all of us are going to put our lab coats on as we step into the laboratory and look under the microscope, get our scalpels out, because we're going to be dissecting something today. Um, We're going to be dissecting a video that's being shared around by many people that's been produced by Robert Reich. Uh, For those who are not familiar with Robert Reich up to this point, uh, he was the Secretary of Labor uh, for Bill Clinton in the 90s, um, the architect for globalization efforts and a globalization agenda that led to NAFTA and CAFTA. Uh, He's also a professor at the University of California, Berkeley. He's written several books as well. Uh, This video that's been produced. Um, it's just titled The First 100 Days Resistance Agenda. Um, it's done through the inequality media, which he is a part of. And while you read the agenda on the video, uh, and he details it out, and we're going to go through the various points on that agenda, um, we have to still remain critical as to what is being provided to us. Even though Inauguration Day um, still does not sit well with most people, and as Democrats uh, continue to point the fingers as to why they lost the election, uh, we have to really focus more about the Inauguration Day and post-Inauguration Day because we're going to be part of this unique period of time in our history, in the political landscape in the United States. Um, so we need, we do need to resist the incoming Trump administration. But like other incoming Republican presidents, the left and liberals will disagree on how to go about such a resistance. Which leads me to the critique of a video that I just mentioned that Robert Reich um, uploaded onto YouTube. Um, This agenda, and I'm putting quotes around the agenda, um, does have its merits. Um, There are points that I don't necessarily disagree with, but we, we have to look at these and really point out certain things. And so with that being said, you know, let's go right into the first agenda point of this first 100 days resistance agenda. Here's the first 100 day resistance agenda. Number one, get your senators and representatives to pledge to oppose Trump's agenda. Reject his nominees. Prolong the process of approving them. Draw out hearings on legislation. 
Call your senator and representative and don't stop calling. Number two. While I agree with this form of quote-unquote monkey wrenching, um, corresponding with elected officials will, will not get us anywhere. Since the 2016 elections, the Democrats have gathered to formulate on how to conduct their own business, and they have not shared that with any of us. Um, and these are the same people that you voted to be an elected official in, in office. So what is that alternative? Well, one way is to form group sit-ins at your elected official's office so that you can be heard. Um, sure, one could say, you know, constant calling your U.S. representative and your senator and do that on a daily basis or every other day or weekly basis for just an hour a day may move um, the football, as it will, to another yard. But really, it doesn't get us anywhere, as I mentioned. Um, we, we've, heard, we've heard this all the time. Call, 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 call. And it doesn't move the mark whatsoever. Because if, it, if we were being heard, then things will get done. We have to understand Democrats are only considering their own agenda. They do not share that with us whatsoever. Sure, they may do the town halls and do the face-to-face meetings when they come to our districts as they're out of session and everything. But again, they just take notes and they use that as their pulse. And they may do that and speak on the floor or may consider something um, when it comes to certain legislation and everything. But as I mentioned, it just does not move the football whatsoever. You have to sit in. And stay there as long as possible as a group, even if that means being forced out by security, you know, and you keep doing that or you rotate volunteers to keep doing that and everything is the only way you're going to get heard. Um, So this is something is being done all the time. And I don't I don't think I need to go any further uh, on that point. Number two. March and demonstrate. The women's march on Washington will be the day after the inauguration. There should be sister marches around the country and then monthly marches against hate. Keep the momentum alive and keep the message going. Number three. Uh, Marches are great and it's a good way to show solidarity. But that's the extent of marches. We look to the March on Washington during the Civil Rights Movement as the model of why we need marches. But the march itself, the March on Washington, did not advance human rights in this nation. It took direct actions that disrupted those racists that conducted such behavior in our communities. It was the lunch counter sit-ins it was 
going into the streets. It was everything possible that SCLC and SNCC and other organizations and individuals that tried to disrupt the racist behavior of that time. And this is what is the problem with marches. Just because you gather and you go out and show some sort of mass support is fine. But, you know, it's good in spirit, but you need capacity to do monthly marches. Um, this this one that's going to happen, I believe, is soon after inauguration. The, the Women's March on Washington you know, has been planned. And, and in some regards, a lot of radical feminists uh, may lean to that march as a way to further um, women's voices and everything. But having said that again, you need capacity. And Rice is using, um, is really thinking that, you know, if, if we do these marches that we're being heard, not a lot of people have that time. And, and you've heard me say it on, you know, on podcasts as well as radio shows and things I've written about that I, I am all, I want people to come out as if, you know, the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup over and over again, or, you know, the Cubs winning the World Series, you know, or pick your favorite sports team. Um, we need that same amount of people coming out, you know, month to month during the year, but it ain't going to happen. Marches, as I mentioned, is a great way to show solidarity. But that's the only extent to that. You need direct action in order to advance the kind of movement you really need to see. On to the third point. Make your city and state sanctuaries that won't cooperate with federal immigration authorities in deporting undocumented immigrants, especially people who have been here since they were very young. Number four. The problem with this is the pretense that there are large capacity of progressives in areas to push any kind of local ordinance or state legislation. This may work in cities like Chicago and states like California, but it will not work in cities like Peoria, Illinois, and states like Colorado. Plus, pushing for any kind of policy like a sanctuary city or state does not really protect immigrants that are seeking refuge. Just like how the Emancipation Proclamation did not really free the slaves in the South, protect those in the North, or for any Western states or territories. It is a good feeling that our city and state is called a quote-unquote sanctuary, but to really, it doesn't really protect any immigrants. We have to make sure that they have the same rights as we do, if not help them strive towards those rights. We need to also aid them in our communities, uh, whether you want to escort someone to the grocery store or engage dialogue um, with a person in public. Uh, you just carried out the kind of sanctuary that no public policy or resolution can do, which is being a good person 
to your fellow community resident who is seeking refuge in your community and state. Uh, that's the only real sanctuary that we can strive towards, uh, and, and it cannot be done through uh, legislation. Uh, to the fourth point. Boycott all Trump products, real estate, hotels, resorts, everything. And then boycott all stores, like Nordstrom, that carry merchandise from Trump family brands. Number five. We have seen numerous times um, a call for boycotting products, uh, whether it's the Koch brothers um, who are in the limelight for whatever reason, or during like anti-GMO efforts, um, we, we, we lists get created and they get shared on social media, and this is more of the same. Um, go here, boycott here, don't go there. But the problem with this is quite simple: the general public has a capitalist addiction. By that I mean people will not stop their spending on Amazon. If a massive quantity of people stop their purchases on e-commerce sites like Amazon, which will lead to relocating your shopping efforts elsewhere, I recommend shopping at your local independent store, then the company will notice their stock price on the decline and will possibly make those necessary changes. Though it goes back to my previous point, people rely on sites like Amazon, Zappos, Jet, and related sites, and also big box retail stores that span from Bed Bath & Beyond to Lauren Taylor. People are not going to stop their spending, especially if they're looking for a good deal. Uh, there's a particular Walmart that I, I have drive by every day. And I, I cannot tell you, and it open, it's open 24 hours, how often, night and day, day by day, the parking lot is nearly full. I mean, it's just, I'm sorry, it's very gross. But people will not stop shopping there because why? They have low prices. Um, anyone will find a good deal if they're willing to find it and everything. And people are not going to stop. You know, especially high-end retail like Saks Fifth Avenue, Lords and Taylor, that, you know, the Trump family targets, you know, those people are not going to stop buying either because, you know, they're all about, one thing and that's their own personal brand as well as you know trying to pitch a certain image onto themselves so that ain't gonna happen and 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 that call has always been done also to boycott products and everything but they're in our lives they're in our materialistic lives all the time so you have to create an actual cultural shift by doing that, if you're calling for a boycott, then that really needs to be coupled with buying local and actually supporting local businesses and actually doing that. Just simply saying uh, boycott and nothing else, then you're falling short. And speaking of falling short, um, that leads to 
the fifth agenda item. Write letters to the editor of your newspaper and op-eds with a steady flow of arguments about the fallacies and dangers of Trump's first 100-day policies and initiatives. Number six. Again, this is another area that is always fallen short. Um, to really make the strategy work, um, then you need to collaborate with people on the same side as you, as well as listen actively to those same people that have different viewpoints than you. And the f- biggest flaw in this is not being fully critical. I have seen many letters to the editor and op-eds written by progressives where it broadcast to the same choir, but with no mention that the issue branches at the root level of the problem. To the sixth point. Contribute to social media with up-to-date daily bulletins on what Trump is up to and actions in your region in opposition. Uh, Since the inception of social media, mainly Facebook and Twitter, uh, their prime objectives for activists have been that. Contribute information on up-to-date information as well as what actions are taking place as we speak and everything. This is nothing unique. Um, we've, seen, we've seen this during um, the Bush administration um, when that was going on and other uh, issue efforts as well. So like Letters to the Editor and Op-Eds, um, this is nothing new, but also it really doesn't go far enough in everything um, to the seventh point. Contribute, contribute to the most effective opposition groups, the American Civil Liberties Union, Common Cause, the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Economic Policy Institute, Inequality Media, and others. Number eight. So the thing with contributing to opposition groups and the lists of organizations that Rice um, expressed most of these organizations lean to more of Democratic parties. And like Common Cause that Reich is a part of, as well as the Economic Policy Institute and Inequality Media, you know, those are organizations that he's a part of, so he's going to share that with that. So having said that, we you need to look at opposition groups like Speaking Truth to Power, Admittedly, my organization. Um, And there's other organizations out there that are really in tune to what's going on to the Trump administration as well as certain um, injustice efforts are going on. Uh, You you can look at um, the Ruckus Society, which is a training organization which has information. Um, There's the Rural Project out in Oregon. Uh, You can look at other organizations like uh, the National Alliance for Racism and Political Oppression in Chicago, um, the IWW when it comes to uh, labor issues, uh, other groups like that. Um, Because like I said, ACLU, Common Cause, the Center... The Southern Poverty Law Center, um, the Economic Policy Institute, and Inequality Media uh, only touts to 
those who really rely on Democrats to actually move forward and everything. And going back to a point further, Democrats don't listen to us whatsoever. We need to look at real progressive organizations and if not radical organizations that really are really about opposition and not moving forward an agenda that speaks to a certain group. Um, to the next point. Make the resistance visible with bumper stickers, lapel pins, wristbands. Number nine. It's one thing to be visible with the bumper stickers, lapel pins, and all that, but there's the, the, something to be said for that too. Um, and by that I mean... Um, there are other things that you can go to to be more visible, um, and and that is, you know, gathering people to hold signs and saying um, no more racism in our community, um, actually forming like an action like um, what's called a money bomb uh, action, which you you know, fundraise money and you give people probably no more than $100 per person and you gather in a central location in an area and you go to local businesses and buy stuff to kind of, you know, bump up their books a little bit to show that money is being spent on local businesses and that money is staying with a business and everything. Um, that's being more visible than a bumper sticker, a lapel pin, uh, dare I say safety pins. Um, because being visible means you're actually doing something. But being visible and passively doing something like wearing a pin or having a bumper sticker or putting a sticker on your laptop, um, that may draw attention and that may draw conversation. But, you know, that means the other person has to be engaged. And in this day and age and culture, um, people are not willing to communicate um, with anyone. They're just going to probably look at you and move on and make their own assumptions. You may draw conversations with people on your own side, but you're not going to draw conversations with those that, you know, are in opposite of your viewpoint um, to the ninth point push progressive causes at your state and local level environmental reform progressive taxes a higher minimum wage ending gerrymandering stopping mass incarceration make your state a model of what the federal government should do number 10 oh we, we try to do that every year um, pushing forward progressive um, legislation at the local and state level, and that has not gotten us anywhere either. Either, um, even when states like Illinois, that has a strong democratic control in the general assembly, or in other states like Illinois, or even cities um, like in New York City or possibly Los Angeles, where there's a strong democratic um, control, uh, those things don't get moved. 
at all. Uh, we've had in Illinois again. We've had two governors, Democrats, a general assembly, nothing but Democrats, and we hadn't gotten any living wage legislation passed. It took years just to even get marriage equality passed, um, even after Iowa passed same-sex marriage in that state. Illinois didn't even do that the following year. Um, it, it took a long time to do that, and, you know, again, that was being held by, you know, a Democratic-controlled General Assembly and everything. So uh, it just doesn't work, and I hate to keep repeating myself like a broken record, but it just doesn't work. In order to make change, you have to do a change outside of the institution of politics. You need to create like community assemblies where you gather people and talk about issues in your community and create changes, whether it's making putting a stop sign in your neighborhood, um, growing food in uh, poor areas or blighted areas, however you want to frame it, that don't have fresh food, uh, whether it's you know helping kids going from one part of town to another part of town, creating a free school, whatever it is, you, the community, creates change, not the apparatus known as city council, the county board, or your state assemblies. We try to push for progressive causes, and they fail every time. And even we try to get progressive causes moved. Um, A great example is fracking in Illinois. There was a group that wanted a moratorium on fracking, and there were other progressives who wanted a regulated um, fracking. And those and those progressives won because they thought that moved the first yard line a little bit further. But that's it. I mean, th- we got regulated fracking, which was a pro-business legislation, and then they're done. Then they even move on and say, you know, we, we, we got this, and now we need to put other steps in place. They, they got their legislation passed, and now they're moving on to the next issue. Uh, this is, again, the problem with progressive causes by not listening to people who are trying to make change, and they want to lean on actual Democrats that has a pro-business agenda and everything, which goes into the next point. Start a move in your state to abolish the Electoral College by committing your state's electors to vote in the next presidential election for the presidential candidate who wins the popular vote. Number 11, reach... Uh, It is very interesting that talking about abolishing the Electoral College is talked about today. How come this wasn't brought up back in 2000 when... Gore lost the election. You know, how come it wasn't brought up any other time? You know, it's just, I find it very interesting that now, because Hillary Clinton lost the general election, 
that we now need to have this effort to abolish electoral college. It was a problem in 2000 where Gore won the popular vote and not the electoral college votes. And that's why Bush got in, among other legal issues. But we're talking about right now. I mean, and this is the problem that all of us radicals have always said that the electoral college um, needs to be abolished and everything. But anytime we bring it up to our representatives and senators, uh, it was always like, you know, we'll take the issue into consideration, but it's always putting further and further back on the back burner. You know, so it goes back to the progressive causes at your state and local level. You know, this has always been the issue, but it's never really being heard. To the next point. Reach out to independents and even Trump supporters who agree with this agenda and get them involved. Number 12. If independents and Trump supporters get on board with this, then it's not really going to move as an agenda. If independents were really on board with this agenda, then there would be a little bit more tangible ideas than what's being presented and everything. And also name me one Trump supporter that also supports the various items on this agenda as well. Um, If they're a Trump supporter, then they're not going to support this agenda. If they're a Trump supporter, they're going to do everything possible to block this kind of agenda, this kind of quote-unquote resistance and everything. And on to uh, the last point. Number 12, your idea goes here. Meet with family and friends and decide what you will contribute. The first- I mean, on this last point, um, Reich just really is kind of just saying here, pick one of these agenda items and... With an hour a day, you can accomplish um, a portion of this agenda, if not all of them, if you do one of these an hour a day, or even just focusing on one of these items an hour a day. Um, and, and then that's going to be really hard because the the election was already divisive among family and friends to begin with. And now you're talking to family and friends that are um, may go against this agenda and everything. And even if you have friends who agree with this agenda to a point, you know, it, it goes back to actively listening and engaging those friends and family members with different viewpoints on what you want to do and everything. As I said from the beginning, the, this agenda, this resistance agenda, has its merits. But this is the same agenda that we've seen time and time again. They do not go further than what they are. They do not provide any radical, uh, critical analysis of the issues and you're not really engaging in your community. You're trying to do this in an isolated effort, and you're trying to preach to a certain choir that are going to do these kinds of things. 
and that's it. That's that. I mean, that's all I can say. And about this agenda, I really, really encourage everyone who's listening up to this point on this episode that you need to talk to the one friend who maybe your socialist friend, a communist friend, maybe an anarchist friend, or who is really an independent who has you know a mixture of various um, tendencies when it comes to a certain political philosophy, or they just love to do what they're doing, which is trying to move forward certain progressive causes that have tangible results. That's the only way we're going to resist the Trump administration. Uh, we cannot do it through policy. We, we cannot do it by calling representatives and senators who are trying to you know, confirm a cabinet that Trump has chosen and everything. Real resistance means that instead of creating reform, real resistance means that you have to work in your community, you have to stand up in your community, you have to speak out in your community, and act out in your community. That's the only way resistance is going to happen. And if you're not going to do that, you just want to be in the sideline and just do things that you think is safe, then you're just going to keep going back and forth on the various issues that you're trying to advance. Um, You have to take risks. You have to go for the percentage shots that are not going to make it in everything. Um, And if you don't do that, I don't know what to tell you. So, uh, if you want to know more, um, you know, email me, Facebook messages me. Uh, it's really easy. It's me up on Truth Power, um, which is facebook.com slash speaktruthpower. So, um, yeah, if you have any questions or concerns about, you know, resistance, you know, message me and, you know, we can probably work this together. But um, I hope you enjoy this episode. And remember, resistance begins with you.